to give us the latest out in the world of business and uh, what's happening in company news. Joined by Makwe Masilela, founder and chief investment officer out at Makwe Fund Managers. Makwe, ngatembo kutumrarwa uko kunjani. Thanks, my brother, but thanks, Mark. We really appreciate it. But um, yeah, man, it seems um, another entity that had a bit of a jovial time today was Spa. Uh, they are uh, grocery retailer operations here in South Africa and also in parts of Europe. And uh, yeah, seeing a massive jump in sales, better profit, uh, bottom line number there. And a big part of it is certainly, Mark, where, you know, you uh, and many <laughs> no, others, no, no. Uh, South Africans, going into tops and making sure you boost that top line number. And then you are right, you know, Amal. <laughs> I mean, if you're looking at the tops itself, the sales jumped by 42%. But anyway, they're coming from a very low base. And for the fact that we've seen uh, that uh, they increased marketing initiatives and unrestricted liquor trading drove increased footfall to spa stores. And yes, the group delivered a robust turnover growth of almost mm. 5.2%. But spa Southern Africa delivered a strong performance compared to the international crimes. Because look at the profits in the foreign business have come under pressure due to increased labor and energy costs. We know that the Polish business is still not doing that great, but it has improved performance. Switzerland's growth were down almost 1.6%, and they had to close some of the stores in Poland, which were not performing, and I think also five stores in Switzerland. But yeah, the guys, their core business trading continued to be impacted by the stores which were closed due to the July 7 unrest. And mm-hmm. so far, I think they said the 13 spa and nine tops are still closed, but the tops are still delivering good results. And look at the building, and it's kind of expected higher. Because remember, there was a time when we were having this extraordinary spending, you know, improving our home and study environment, you know, since during COVID. So it's kind of expected that at some point it has to come to this, that we've seen a growth of almost 1.4%. And also built that the trading was hampered by the heavy rainfall in various regions across the country, as well as the impact of seven stores, which were closed because of the unrest and apparently they're still closed. Mm. Now, now, I mean, notwithstanding those stores that have been closed, um, in these numbers, are we seeing, I guess, how squeezed consumers are? Because often, I guess, the expectation is that if households uh, have fewer and fewer rands to spend, that that often comes up in retail numbers, or are people taking the money elsewhere? and keeping their spend at uh, relatively the same levels? I don't think in food retail, you know, because remember, Mm. more than 50% of our people spend more than 50% of their disposable income on food. So I think food will continue to be resilient. It's just more or less like health. Yes, the likes of our building might be affected. The clothes and retailers might be affected, you know, and participate when it comes to food, also when it comes to grocery. I mean, combined, I think they've seen a growth of 8.5%. And as you said, you know, we say it as a joke, but people continue to buy booze, you know, whether we like it or not, no matter how yeah. depressed they are, no matter how tough economic conditions are. You know, you see people still unemployed, but being drunk. Good to primarily, we don't know. So, Food retailers, to some extent, they tend to be resilient, you know, in a way. 
Yeah, and uh, I guess, you know, the other dynamic, Amakwe, uh, uh, is, of course, whether the jump in tops um, is comparable to what might have been, you know, the sales volumes pre-COVID-19. Because I guess 42% from a very, very low base where you had subsequent quarters where liquor sales were restricted might, might not necessarily be a very good comparison. Yeah, they're not yet at the pre-COVID level. And mm. when it comes to them, SPA, unlike the other guys, you know, the other competitors, I mean, liquor happens to make over 20 if I'm not, I think 23% of the group's revenue. So it's very huge. Hence, when there was the lockdown or the restrictions when it comes to liquor sales, SPA suffered more than the other guys, you know, who don't have that kind of a percentage contribution to revenue when it comes to liquor. So yes, you do still get there gradually. Maybe by come September, we'll be talking a different story. December mm. is also another story. So yeah, it still has to get to that level, but it's encouraging to see that the minute they just open, you see such a huge jump. That just tells you that the people really have been eager to go to the liquor stores. I, I like how you said very eager to go to the liquor stores. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it reminds me of that video. There was a, a fellow out in East London, and the SABC interviewed uh, this fellow. And uh, so, so, so the lady asks, um, "So, Puti, how, how does it make you feel that the liquor stores are uh, opening again?" "Yo, sisi, and the husband's out in, you know, you know, <laughs> which effectively meant, you know, you know, for some of our listeners, that no, 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 no things must go back to the usual, uh, which uh, I guess just shows, I mean, how." Uh, we might be making fun of it, but indeed, uh, you know, how big uh, liquor-consuming nation South Africa is. Uh, but let's shift away from those retail numbers out at uh, Tops and uh, go to SARS. Now, SARS, it seems here, alongside the uh, trade uh, authorities, are donating tons of seized clothing and blankets and a footwear to flood victims in Guazul Natal. Where's some of the stuff coming from? I mean, I saw an image there of a container being opened up and uh, seeing all manner of uh, duvets, uh, blankets, and so on. W- what's the backstory? Mainly it's more of illicit imports, you know, because remember, even yesterday, they've managed to win that case or the appeals court said, yeah, that is right to receive uh, that container that people just put things in such an invoice that cannot be justified, you know, buying clothes for almost the three rand or so doesn't make sense, you know. So mainly... I heard there was a suit there, Mark, where four rand. Uh, there was a entire full suit, four rand, 14 yeah. cents, yeah. yeah. You know, it doesn't make sense, but also what's interesting, and I think we have to give it to our government, you know, to at least give them that once off. That guy normally so should be destroying this, because mm. if you put them into the market, that's going to destroy local businesses, but sure. we understand the situation, I think it's a good thing, instead of destroying them, give that to the people, you know, so that at least it can be used for a good cause. But going forward, trust is not supposed to be doing that, that's supposed to be destroyed. So mm. I think it's a big up, you know, one of those things when it comes to thinking out of the box, and I think we have to give it to the guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, I always find I always find this particular sector very interesting. Uh, we were talking yesterday to an entrepreneur who works, you know, in the wood, joinery, sort of wooden doors type of space, uh, furniture in general, right? Uh, and we're talking about like that construction and a few other sectors as being very labor intensive. This one takes the cake, eh? Clothing, just in terms of like the number for for every like rand apparently invested in capital, 
the number of people who need to be employed in that value chain is, is something crazy. So, so I think the point you're making is very important because somebody might be saying, why, why don't you just give, if, if this clothing lands, be it from China, Philippines or wherever, lands in South Africa all of the time, why, why isn't this being donated to clothing banks and so on? Uh, and I guess the reality is that that effectively lowers the sales of some of the ones who are f- making the jobs here in South Africa. So, so I guess that's that's always the tough balancing act that needs to be struck here. And just to add on that, remember our textile industry. You know, it has it used to be one of the industries. You know, then mm. for whatever reason we allowed all these illicit imports coming to our country, and they killed that industry. And you know, it's I don't know if you still remember even in the townships or semi-urban areas. Bogunama I don't know how many around. Yes, some of them are still there. Yeah, but you know that business is gradually going down, down. Because the way things are done now with clothing, the whole textile industry, the whole value chain, up until Tulo Mamalo, who was doing a, a, a Ikeda Lapayana election, they're no longer there, as you're saying, quite mm. a few of them. So, but you are right, it's a very important industry, and yeah. it's used to employ a lot of people, let alone to generate the necessary revenue. Yeah, and we must encourage Naba Mamane Basic social media, Tungisani, Tungisani. <laughs> to go and use those tailors, you know, yeah, yeah. When people feel like there's a there's a mkimbi that's gonna happen, you know, Mark Weather, that's the first thing they always say. Ah, tungisan, tungisan. You know, ah, chief. My birthday party, you come as you are, man. You don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to dress up. <laughs> Mark Weather, let's talk about this because I think even the, these blankets and duvets were for people who were affected by the floods that we saw in KZN and in the Eastern Cape. Now, maybe let's shift, I think, very nice story, you know, at least some relief there. And the NEDLAC has gone and gotten authorization to make sure that at least some of the stuff is donated to those who have lost some of their property. But what is even more unnerving and concerning for me is how slow and pedestrian the response has been from the municipalities. Uh, now, a lot of, you know, people who come to the platform say, no, we need um, this declared a disaster so that we can release funds. But then it seems from the suggestion being made to the ad hoc committee, and we're going to be speaking to them in the next few minutes, that uh, no one has submitted anything. I mean, there's a lot of municipalities there, Teguini, there's ones there in the edge of the Eastern Cape. And it seems nobody has submitted any documentation to access part of the one billion rand in funds to build, rebuild homes, rebuild infrastructure, rebuild water systems. What's happening here? And by the way, this is the first phase, you know, the one billion. We still have the 25 billion that we still have to look for. So how can we 25 billion if we can't put in submissions for, for this one billion? But it's good that we'll be talking to them because now people are saying the municipalities have managed to submit. So these things is sitting with the National Human Settlement and Cooperative Government. But there's also the rumors or claims that the municipalities have been very naughty. Some of the things they've been insured, so they want to double dip. So it's either that they'd like to submit claims to insurance companies and or maybe true, they just want to double dip and they can use the money for other things when it comes to the municipality part. The sense, the whole thing here is, is just so wrong. It just shows you that how slow we are, even in a situation where there's a disaster. That people cannot get into one room and get to fill and sign whatever form needs to be signed. And the government, for the fact that it has been declared a national disaster, some of the procedures are in my 
understanding that they have to be overlooked. It's not a normal situation that it will take three weeks to approve something. So you have to speed up because people out there are in trouble, so they need help. So we cannot wait for all the slow processes that you usually embark on. Mm. But yes, it's very disturbing. You know, I mean... And I guess on the one hand, I, I understand, right, the Minister of Finance saying, look, don't place at my table the fact that these entities are not receiving this money because I don't dish out money without the proper documentation. Granted. But surely there must be some obligation on other tiers of government in a moment like this to say, guys, fine, you might have some capacity challenges in um, local municipality in the southern coast or whatever. Here's an opportunity for us to assist you to make sure that you can access these yeah. funds. Uh, it just seems to me that kind of relationship isn't there. Like um, where people see one another as colleagues in the same side of trying to respond to what has happened. Oh, yeah, they can kill us if they want to. But that's the problem with most government departments or including local government. That the private sector is always ready to offer their services sometimes for free just to help them to unlock something. You can, if you don't have capacity to be able to fill whatever form that needs to be filled, which I doubt that that's the kind of capacity that you should be having, it's easy to get a private entity to help you quickly because they all want their good names to be in there. They also, that will count to them that we've done something to our country because they need to realize that private sector they want to see a good functioning government so that mm. they can strive, so that the government can create the environment for the private sector to strive. And I always say it, that we tend to forget something. The guys in the public sector, they went to the very same school that the guys in the private sector went to. So we all know what is credit or is debit. Ah, but Mark, I mean... You know, I get oh, sad no, if, if, if we have to take it to that level, right? Um, you work in government, right? I mean, I'm just making an example. You work in government even before this crisis. There are all manner of grants. Let's take municipal infrastructure grant, right? It's the one that normally has plans around it in the IDP. People will talk about it and so on. Shop. What is different now in what you have to put together to motivate for another grant? Surely every year you have to put in place the case to other levels of government, it might be for a provincial grant or even a national grant, and you make the case and you say, we would like this neighborhood improvement grant, for example, uh, or we would like this municipal infrastructure grant or basic, uh, what is it, water services infrastructure grant, and this is the process you follow. What is so different now? I think another thing is that maybe, you know, we don't get to emphasize your key performance uh, thing, the KPIs, you know, when it comes to the public sector, people, there's no recourse. People know that, yeah, uh, I, you have not been able to do X, Y, Z. So what's going to happen to me? Nothing. Unlike maybe in the private sector that you know that, hey, I might be in trouble. I might be called to HR. I might get some disciplinary, you know, I'm causing the company money if I don't deliver on time. But mm. other people don't tend to see that you see by not delivering on time, there's a huge opportunity cost. Maybe that opportunity cost is far away from them. The minute they can understand the opportunity cost, that guys, by taking time, this is how much you are costing us. 
then maybe they can wake up. Because as you are saying, they should be knowing their story, let alone that they're from the same universities as the guys in the private sector. This is something that they usually do. Yeah, yeah we're going to be picking up that story uh, in the next few minutes or so uh, with uh, the ad hoc committee. They might be able to explain to us what's happening there. But... Makwa, before I let you go, Sunlam put out a set of numbers today, a mixed bag it seems, and a big part of it I guess having to do with the changing environment, um, life insurance, new business volumes increasing 8%, uh, new covered business of course down uh, 16%, uh, but a big part of um, I guess uh, what has happened here is that uh, their life insurance earnings have improved, largely because mortality from COVID-19 has also declined and um, a decline in the path of uh, claims for that kind of insurance and uh, general insurance uh, seeing some decline there as well. What do you make of this number if you combine it, of course, on the back also of some of the claims that came from July and what we've recently seen with the floods? I think that they were impacted severely by a number of weather and fire-related events in the first quarter of the year, as well as those cases that end flat in April. And yes, despite the volatility in global equity and credit markets, they also they were helped by South African equity markets, which performed better and due to an increase when it comes to commodity prices. But I guess the guys posted different earnings with strong results, like you said, from the life insurance, investment management businesses, and that have helped to offset the weak uh, general insurance and credit results. So all in all, I think the whole performance was kind of satisfactory. And remember also the impact coming from Santam. Remember, Salam is the parent of Santam. So whatever things that went through Santam, ultimately they are affected with Salam. Yeah. Hey, Makwe. It's always, I mean, when you look at insurance numbers, uh, I never know in this moment what to make of it. Um, not only with the riots, the floods, but now also with COVID. Um, and always, I guess the comparison is helpful between what we see in their numbers now in terms of new, uh, uh, you know, uh, business written in terms of their life insurance and other segments as well. And you compare that to 2019. Where are we? Not yet there, but mm. at least there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Number one, if they get that, remember they significantly strengthen their business through the agreement to combine their Pan-African operations outside South Africa with that one of Alliance. Okay, mm. we're still waiting for approvals. And the partnership will further uh, help them with the ob- objective of creating some shared value and driving financial inclusion across the continent. So mm. if we put other things aside, you know, the weather, fire, COVID, then the guys, I think, they are well positioned to be able to do better going forward. And yeah. when it comes to life insurance earnings, yes, recorded strong growth due to those lower COVID-related excess mortality claims, but they were fully covered by product pricing. So I think that getting somewhere, the guys managed to get mm. the wake-up call. Okay. Makwe, let's leave it there for tonight, brother.